the name of our loving God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. You may be seated. Uh, this week after, after Easter, each year, you know, we read the story of Thomas in the gospel account, and um, it's sort of like Doubting Thomas Sunday, right? I, I kind of think of it like the resurrection for the rest of us. Uh, those of us who uh, maybe weren't early adopters, we've been hanging in the shadows like Thomas, and now we're back this Sunday, and we're like, really, though? Did that really happen? I want to challenge us today because the point is not so much about Thomas's doubt, but really about the dedication of God to humanity. And God is dedicated to us in his son, specifically in the life and the love of the risen Lord. We often don't think of Jesus in present terms, but he is indeed alive and the same exact loving Lord as the one who gave himself for us on the cross. He shows us this in the story of Thomas. I want to begin, though, with a modern-day story of a kind of another Thomas. This, is, um, this comes from two missionaries who work with uh, the group Pioneers in Orlando. We have a lot of Pioneers missionaries at our church, actually. This is a, a, a firsthand account of a story that, <clears throat> that they heard. Their names are, are Jen and Mark uh, Oshman. <clears throat> it's about a woman named Nellie. Nellie uh, lived in uh, southern Europe. And um, Jen and Mark one day were somewhere in Europe at a cafe eating with some family friends. And the family friend said, hey, we want to tell you about, um, about this lady that we met, Nellie. And she, she has a crazy story. Jen, who's writing this down in her blog, says, I tried to prepare myself because this was about to be a firsthand account of something that I knew was going to be like, like a miracle. They, they had given her a clue, like a, a crazy story. Her friend said, um, well, we, we first met Nellie when she came to us and asked us um, to, if we would visit her husband and her son because Nellie herself had come down with cancer. She was afraid she wouldn't live much longer, and she was worried about her family. So she asked these, these family friends, these missionaries, hey, would you come be with my husband and son after, after I die? Nellie was a, a Muslim. Uh, she had never prayed to Jesus. The missionary said, well, uh, hey, how about... I know you're a Muslim, but how about you pray to Jesus when, when you get home? You, you've, got, you've got cancer, you've got a lot of needs, you're worried about your family. Why don't you just ask Jesus? And at this time in Nellie's life, her body was becoming so frail that she couldn't go to Muslim prayer. So she returned home and she decided, what the heck? <laughs> let's, let's give praying to Jesus a try. Nellie came back to the Christian friends and she reported something pretty strange. She said that she was sitting and praying on her couch to this man, Jesus. And Jesus appeared on her balcony and entered through her doors and spoke to her. This is, this is secondhand to you from missionaries in, from Orlando, right? Nellie said, Jesus came in through the balcony and he spoke to me in my North African dialect. And he asked me, what did I want? I think this could be the craziest part because you know what Nellie responds with? 
Well, Jesus, I've got a headache. And the reason I've got a headache is because we haven't had any cigarettes in our house for days. No kidding. I mean, you can't make this up, right? So the, the Jen, our missionary friend, Jen, Jen's writing this down, and she's, she stops and she's like, okay, wait, you're telling me that Jesus, like the human Jesus, walked th- uh, through your balcony into your living room and asked you what you wanted? The friend said, yeah, that, that's what Nellie told us. And then Nellie said, after Jesus left, she went into her kitchen and she found a brand new pack of cigarettes in her cabinet. And Nellie said to these missionary friends, I wish, I, I can't believe I only asked for cigarettes to this Jesus. It took us a minute to absorb all of this. Jen Oshman, the missionary, writes, a North African Muslim woman asked Jesus, who appeared to her bodily for cigarettes, and he gave them to her. This story's getting crazy. We thought immediately of Christians back in in Orlando who would probably just discount the story simply because you've got a lady asking a human Jesus for cigarettes, and Jesus gives her the cigarettes. That's insane, right? This was this lady's vision, her religious experience. Our friends agreed, yeah, Jen, this is crazy to believe. We, we get it, but this is what Nellie said. In fact, Nellie said this was the first of many visits of Jesus in Nellie's living room speaking to her. We thought immediately then about all the other stories in the scriptures where Jesus appeared to people and suddenly it started making more sense. All the crazy things that Jesus did to reveal himself and his power to human beings, the water into wine, the forgiveness of the adulteress, the washing of the feet. Apparently, Jen concludes, in his mercy, Jesus sweetly met Nellie right where she was at the point of her headache in her North African dialect. Nellie goes on to become a full-fledged follower of Jesus. Uh, And so here we are today, reading the story, kind of like Nellie's, the original Nellie story, of Jesus coming through a locked door to a group of disciples. Now, this is the point. Jesus, the risen Lord, is still alive. John makes this point in our story today, and we are to hold to that as Christians right now. So, Josh, are you saying Jesus could be in my living room when I get home? Yes, I am saying that. That is what John says is possible. That's, that's not, that may not be the norm, but it's possible. Jesus is alive. That's what Christians believe. He can do whatever he wants. He can be wherever he wants to be. Jesus, as the risen one, is alive. Alive. Luke Timothy Johnson, a scholar, puts it this way. The Christian faith is a resurrection faith. It explodes onto the scene, not because there were a group of people in Jerusalem telling stories about a guy named Jesus who used to live back then, but because, Johnson says, 
these group of Christians in their own religious experience in their present day kept continually, consistently experiencing the risen Jesus in some miraculous, mysterious way. This is what's happening in our gospel story today. The question then first posed by the story of Thomas and the disciples and Jesus appearing is, do you believe that Jesus is alive? Do you believe that he's alive? Look in our text. Nellie's story may not be the normative, but here's perhaps something that we could count on more likely. This is on page 1052, 1052 in the Blue Pew Bible, John chapter 20. Let's look at this part together. Jesus is living. John presents this to his readers as a story where Jesus appears to the disciples, and we notice a few things that perhaps have continued even to this day, to this very morning, when Jesus presents himself as living. First of all, verse 19, the simple fact is that the disciples are gathered together. There's a gathering of the followers of Jesus on the evening of that first day of the week when the disciples were together. This is, this is the starting point. When Christians get together, Jesus shows up. Verse 20, it's not just any Jesus. It's not just some random guy that we think is Jesus. It is, in fact, the exact same man. And why John makes a point of this He shows them his wounds. I'm the same guy. I'm not some weird ghost, some some weird presence that's kind of Jesus, but not. I am the same man. I was dead, and now I'm alive. Look at my wounds, verse 20. Look at verse 22. Interesting part of John's description. John doesn't have a story of Pentecost, but this is kind of like the Johannine Pentecost, as it were. And with that, having said, look at my, 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 my wounds, with that, Jesus breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. Here's another marker of the living Lord, the living risen Lord, gathered disciples, the presence of the crucified and risen one, and the Holy Spirit's empowerment. On and on throughout the New Testament after John's gospel, if we're reading it like in a linear fashion, what we come to find out is that the presence of the risen Jesus and the power of the Holy Spirit always go together. The way that you and I today can experience Jesus as the living Lord is only through the power of the Holy Spirit. This is normative, John says. Finally, verse 21, Jesus sends the people Again, Jesus said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. There's a commissioning. That's the mission. We are a people on mission. That's why it was originally called mass. At the end of this, we will go out into the world. That's a part of this gathering is being sent. God the Father sends Jesus, and now Jesus fills us with his presence, empowers us, and sends us into the world. Y'all, I mean, this looks a lot like what we're doing this very morning, does it not? So John presents the living Lord as present. I would suggest to you, this is normative. This is what you can expect. Jesus may show up in your living room this afternoon and offer you cigarettes, but most likely, most likely, we will experience the risen Lord just like this. 
I'll just note that we talk about experiencing Jesus, the risen Lord, in his body in a couple of important ways. We are the mystical body of Christ. We encounter the living Jesus Christ in and through each member of Christ's body. If you come to church and you go home and you feel like, I can't describe it. I don't know what happened, but I felt so loved, so encouraged, so perhaps challenged today at church. I feel like I met Jesus. That's what's supposed to happen. We also talk about meeting Jesus, the living, risen Lord, in another way. His body, again, his body and blood in the Eucharist. So, do you believe that Jesus is alive? Here's the second question this text asks us. Do you believe that he's loving, that he's the same loving Lord? Notice in our passage, John presents two stories of Jesus appearing. The first is to the disciples, which we just read. And then he tells us something very interesting. This is on page 1053 at the top, verse 24. Now, Thomas, we find out at the end of this first story, Thomas, one of the 12, wasn't with the disciples. Uh-oh, that's weird. You got to ask, where was Thomas, right? Was he down at the local pub thinking like, what have I done with my life now that this person I followed is dead and is apparently missing? Thomas did not believe yet. Was he at the local library, as it were, the study center, discussing perhaps with the wise sages, how did we miss it? I thought he was the one. I thought he was the Messiah. Where is Thomas? He's not there, John tells us, which sets us up perfectly for a very tender, loving moment between Jesus and Thomas. So keep reading. The other disciples told him, we've seen the Lord. He said to them, unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where the nails were and put my hands into his side, I won't believe. So then a week later, here's the second story, Jesus shows up. If you're following the story, then Jesus shows up, in a sense, just for Thomas. Right? He showed himself to the disciples, this is for Thomas. Do you know that God loves you, that he knows you, that he knows what you need to believe, that he doesn't shame you for it? Jesus doesn't show up, and, and according to John, and say, Thomas, you know, your faith is pathetic. I can't believe this. You, how much lower can I stoop? You know, I'm the God of the universe. I've come down in human form. Now you, want to, you have to put your hands. Notice the disciples gathered last week. They wanted to see the wounds. Thomas wants to do what? He wants to touch the wounds. How much lower can God condescend to Thomas? Jesus doesn't shame him though. He says, here Thomas, I've come back now just for you. This appearance is to show you. And in fact, it's interesting. I don't think it's just for Thomas, though. I think John records this story because John knows in his own community at the time and now for 2,000 years that there are a lot of Thomases. Some of them are named Josh, right? Some of them are named your name. Lots of Thomases. In fact, we kind of get a little shout out in the text. Did you catch that in verse 29? And then Jesus told Thomas, because you've seen me, you've believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet believed. You could put in, blessed are those 
at the Cathedral Church of St. Luke in 2022 who have not seen and yet believed. We get a little shout out. We're, we make a cameo in this story. Blessed are you, Thomases. Blessed are you. Jesus is not only alive, but he is loving. It's the same one, the crucified, risen one. He's got the same wound. This is a theme of John's gospel. Remember in the beginning of John, in the beginning was the word, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. It's God's condescending love, not in a demeaning way, but in a beautiful, humble, I will get down on the floor with you, Nursery school children, I will get down on the floor at your level. I will meet you where you're at. I will know what you need and I will meet that need to bring you to faith so that you can have a relationship with God. This is a theme in John's gospel. Consider all the other stories of God's condescension in the New Testament. For Mary Magdalene, just a few verses before this, he's the gardener and he calls her name. That's what Mary needed, apparently. For Thomas, it's touching the wounds. For Paul, it's getting knocked off his horse. When Jesus shows up to reveal his life, that he's truly alive as the risen Lord, he does so in a way that's unique, that's personal, that's tender, that's kind, that's humble. He doesn't shame us. I close with this illustrative uh, example, I hope. In Tennessee, growing up, we... Um, we would uh, often go to this, uh, this burger joint, and my dad would uh, take orders from, I have a, a twin sister, a little sister, older brother. He would take our orders as the family. He would drive down to the burger joint. Now, the burger joint was on Highway 58. We were kind of out in the boonies near Chickamauga Lake, and it was right by an Ace Hardware. I'm not even kidding you. It was called Ace Hardware Barbecue. <laughs> it, Ace Hardware didn't own it. It was just like, I don't know if the, I don't know if the owners just didn't, they, I don't know. But you could get some lumber and a barbecue sandwich, all right? So my dad, all, all through growing up years, he would go get, hey, I'm going to, I'm going to Ace Hardware. I'm going to get y'all a burger, you know, or whatever. Now, here's the thing. Dad would take our orders, and he would, uh, he would figure out what Lauren, Lauren wants the, the cheeseburger with no mustard, no mayo, only ketchup. My twin sister, Megan, she wants all of the above, but no onion. Josh, this was my order. I want no mayo. I don't like mayonnaise. I only want mustard. I know that's crazy. We can talk about it later, but no mayo. All my life, from the time I was a little kid, my dad would go to Ace Hardware and show back up, sometimes not even asking our order. And when he got home, he would say, all right, Josh, I got you the no mustard one. I mean, the no mayo one. I got you the no mayo one. Without even asking. Silly, trivial example, right? But my dad knew me. And he knew what I needed. And he loved me. He didn't shame me. It wasn't a silly thing. And neither did he dismiss it. Like, oh, don't worry, Josh. You can take a little mayonnaise. I remember a couple times he, they would put mayonnaise on it by accident. And he would, he would say, I'm so sorry. You know, they, let's, let's get it off of there. So it was silly, right? But I can't help but think of Nellie. Jesus showing up in her living room. 
<laughs> and he meets her at the point of her headache. She needs some nicotine, bless her heart. So he's going <laughs> to, he knows what Nellie needs. He knows what Josh needs. He knows what Thomas needed. And he knows what you needs, what you need to be drawn into relationship with him. So if you believe that Jesus is really alive and you believe that he is this loving and this tender and this knowledgeable of who you are, uh, expect, expect, my friends, to see him maybe today, maybe in your living room, I don't know, but definitely here. Amen.